Episode 2, Small Town Pharmacist, Big Time Growth. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today you're hearing Dr. Courtney Petrie's perspective. For doctors who want a thriving practice and abundant home life, listen as your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, goes behind the curtain and interviews doctors and guests about real-world triumph, struggles, practical tips, and entertainment on this episode of A Doctor's Perspective. Dr. Justin Trosclair here, episode two. You can find all the show notes at adoctorsperspective.net slash zero two, the numbers. Based on the podcast that I listen to, there's not a lot of female guests, and I have got one today, Dr. Courtney Petrie. She's a pharmacist. She went to school in Tennessee. She's had her own clinic or store for two years. She is crushing it there. Definitely listen to the end where you find out about her favorite book app, how she got to meet her idol and what she does for relaxation. It's a treat. Without further ado, let's get into the interview. Today we have Courtney Petrie. Yep, that's me. Doctor of Pharmacy. How are you today? I'm good. A little early, but I'm okay. I'm happy to be here. Appreciate you being here. Sure. Well, let's just jump right into it, okay? Okay. What? made you become a pharmacist versus any other type of doctor? Well, I tell you what, I spent quite a few years kind of thinking it over. I liked medicine. Um, I knew I wanted to do something with medicine or at least in, in sciences in some aspect and um, spent a couple years doing internships and different jobs throughout undergrad um, and nothing ever really stuck. So, and, and I just... For some reason, pharmacy just didn't creep into my head until I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, after I finished my undergraduate degree in biology. So when I was in at uh, University of Louisiana at Lafayette, I uh, was working on my undergraduate in biology and minored in chemistry. I worked with chimpanzees. We did um, cognitive research, um, did wetlands research. We did quite a few different things and nothing ever, it was all interesting, but nothing ever stuck, I guess, you know? Right. I finished my degree and I was like, okay, what do I do? I'm going to just move away and kind of get a fresh, fresh perspective and just started working over there and um, happened to be in a grocery store and was like, hey, there's a pharmacy. I never really, never really thought about that. So let's, let's try that out, right? Check it off the list. Right. Why not? So I went and applied and applied like as a cashier or something. And they were like, yes, please, like anything, you know, because a lot of times they're super understaffed. So Okay. Worked over the at like a little chain. Um, it was uh, Kroger, which is kind of like Albertsons is down here. Yeah, yeah. There's like Texas area. Yes, exactly. Like Texas area, exactly. So um, worked as a cashier. It was flu season, like flu shots. It was madness, and I Oof. loved it. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, I just ate it up. I ate it up. I'd I'd come home from work, and I'm like sitting on the couch, just exhausted. And I just had this huge smile on my face. And I thought, I found it. I found it. This is it. Like, no matter the insanity, I loved it. And it combined what I enjoyed most in, in science and, and medically related. And it allowed me to work with the public and do lots of good things for people. So it kind of started a journey from there. And that was 10 years ago. So still working in retail. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah. 
And there is a lot of retail in pharmacy, it seems. Yeah. Oh, there's quite a bit. I mean, there's 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 a growing um, clinical aspect to it, which in pharmacy school, they really push the clinical aspect. And, and that's great. I'm all about it. Um because, you know, you want to you want to be on the top of your game whenever you get out, no matter what you're working in. Um, so in pharmacy school, you can specialize, do like a um, postgrad, basically a one year program or you can do a two year specialty. And that would allow you to specialize in pretty much. Oh, gosh, I don't even know how many different things. I mean, you can just do endocrinology, you know, um, you can go and do just internal medicine. I mean, there's just so much that you can do, which is nice. Um, it really expands. So it teaches you the ins and outs of the special drugs for cancer for endocrinology. Basically it's a residency is what it is. So just like in, in uh, medical school where they pick their path and then they do a certain level, you know, so many years of residency associated with that path. We, we can do the same thing. We don't have to, but if we want to work in a clinical, you know, hospital setting or do research or whatnot, you have to have that now. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Which is good. So probably in your, in your hospitals where you're working, you've got a team of pharmacists, those guys and gals are all clinically, you know, have done their residence in order to even qualify to be there. Wow. Yep. Wow. So a um, retail store, big box chain type of place, Mm -hmm. they may or may not have that residency. Yeah. So you can... It's not necessary. Right. So you can actually do a residency in community pharmacy. And I thought about it um, because I knew Mm -hmm. by the time I got to the end of pharmacy school, I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, I knew exactly... I knew what I was going to do the first semester of pharmacy school. I knew I wanted to own an independent pharmacy. Um, Okay. Yeah. So that, that was quite nice to figure that out so quickly. But um, they do have a, a one and two year residency with that. And I thought about mm. it and I really weighed it out. And I realized that for me, it wasn't, it would be basically postponing my time to get to a pharmacy, you know, um, in other words, well, you know what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it would take two years to go through that and more money and you would get paid a little bit of money of, you know, so it's just, you have so much new grads are very underpaid for the <laughs> amount of debt that we get out. Right. Yeah. Right. And you, you just know how much debt you already have. And you're like, I got to get, I just got to get out there. And I knew that once I got out there, I could start getting paid, start paying down my student loans, start saving money, which is mm-hmm. huge to, to try to buy a pharmacy. It, it worked out. I mean, and I, I talked to, I've talked to quite a few people who have actually done them and, and I realized that basically my first two years leading up to and the first year of ownership. So the first year leading up to owning a pharmacy and the first year of owning a pharmacy, basically, mm. that's it was a residency because I didn't make yeah. very much money because all the money went into buying the store or uh, owning the store. And um, and I learned a Did lot. Did you work in the same? I'm sorry. Yeah. Did you work in the same? Uh, pharmacy that you ended up purchasing? Yes. Right out of school? I, so, <laughs> funny story. I I started working initially at another pharmacy. They wanted to sell me their store and um, spent about eight and a half months there. And it just, just wasn't working out. I wasn't happy there. 
with the the current management and I knew that I would have to keep some of the well really there was a certain you have to keep some of the staff I had to yeah. keep some of the staff and I only wanted to keep like one of them um <laughs> so there was some issues and I just there was just a lot of things that told me this wasn't meant to be there. The location wasn't ideal. They wanted a lot of money, you know, just financially, it wasn't a smart buy. So I said, mm-hmm. you know what, it's just not worth it. I, I quit that job. And on a whim, a friend of mine suggested that, that I actually go and float, you know, like work at this other little mom and pop pharmacy in Arneville. And um, they were just needing like two days a week. And I mean, I was desperate. I just needed a job. I kind of exited out of the other store. I had saved my money, knew I was going to quit because I was miserable. And um, right. yeah, I I just was like, okay, I just need enough to pay my student loans until I can get back on my feet. And so the guy was like, I'll give you two days a week. I said, I'll take it, whatever, whatever, I'll take it. And if I'll have to go do shifts somewhere else too, great. But by... By my first day, by noon of my first day, he offered me four days a week. So it just fit. Everything just fit so well, so fast. It was just great. It was great. So I don't even know what. Okay. okay, So yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That's good. So, well, there's several avenues we can go here. I want to ask you about staff. I want to ask you about uh, a couple other things. So I'm going to just go right back into it. Okay. Sure. Great. So, ah, what, so you have this, uh, private pharmacy now. Yep. You've got your own staff. Yep. What makes a good staff person and how do you hire good staff? That's a great question. For me, I really look at character. We're in a small, small town and in a small town, you know, personal personality really matters and having personal service really matters. Um, you know, it, when you're dealing with a geriatric population who's already very um, intimidated uh, by the medical process, whether, you know, going to the doctor's office, a lot of times they go to the doctor's office and, you know, they, they kind of tell them a few things and doc writes them a script and is like, okay, here you go. And then they come to me and it's like, they don't know they have no clue what was written for them. They don't know why it was written for them. It gives me an opportunity to sit down and talk with them and explain everything. Um, so they they really like that personal service. Um, a, it's our clinical duty and our professional duty to do things like this for patients. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't happen a lot, unfortunately. I really try to make a, a welcoming environment with my staff. I, okay. I want my staff to make people feel comfortable. You know, I want people to come in and ask the questions that they're not going to ask their physician or, or you know, speak about something that maybe they're just too embarrassed to speak about. And I mean, I have had, gosh, I've had some pretty interesting conversations even in the last month or two. I had a, uh, a young kid uh, come in and he was like, hey, can I talk to you? And I'm like, oh, I know this is. You know, when they're right. when they're not when they want to pull you aside and talk to you, you know it's probably not something minor. And it turned out mm-hmm. he had just been diagnosed with HIV, and he wanted oh. to be yeah he he wanted to know if I carried certain medications, which I said I don't, but I I can get my hands on these. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, and he was like, well, I just really want to make sure that I'm safe to come and get this here that, you know, people aren't going to know my business. I said, well, of course not. That's that's what HIPAA's for. <laughs> we would never, you know, we're not going to tell it. Small town yeah. sometimes, oh, right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, we're in a town of 1500. Something like that is huge. If, you know, you start telling people's business, I mean, it's, you know. Oof. So anyway, to answer your, to fully answer your question, this ties into it. It's just very important for to, as a, for your staff to be able to be welcoming to your to your um, to your patients and to be kind to them. We just want to create a really open and welcoming environment. So obviously, I look for people that have a good personality that are not afraid to talk to people, but will talk to them respectfully and and are you know that know what's really important is that they're local. I want them to know the people in the town and the people in the town know them. Um, that helps. Yeah. It helps with trust. Uh, when I got there, I'm considered an out of town, you know, Oh, you're not from around here. And it's like, well, I'm from 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away. I'm not, I'm not that far, but, you foreigner. but to, yeah, but to them, that was like a big deal for someone to come out. So it took me about, almost a year to really like earn the trust of the people. So, um, and once, once they, once they did, or once I earned that trust, then it just opened a floodgates. Now people come to me for everything, you know, so, which is great, but to have local people that know the people here, I, I feel like is really important. You want someone that as mature, you need maturity. This is a very right. high stress environment. Um, we're we're doing a lot of prescriptions every day, at least two hundred prescriptions a day. Which, you know, compared to these big box chains, is not a lot. But for one pharmacist and a tech, a cashier, that's well now two techs. That's a that's a lot. Hopping. That's a lot. We're hopping. So you have to be able to move. And you got to answer questions. Yeah, you have to be able to move. Why do I have to take this? I want seven drugs. Right, what do I do? Right. You have to be able to move fast and think fast and be mature about it and not be playing on your phone in the corner. You know, we don't have time for that. So you know, you just no. really look for a good maturity um, in okay. this environment. Trainable, trainable, very much. All of my staff, yeah. all of my staff, basically came in, had never worked in a pharmacy before, but wanted to, and trained them from the ground up. And now, I mean, they they. And did you do that through like a company, like help you, or are you just uh, mm. naturally gifted in these things? Um, <laughs> <laughs> neither. <laughs> um, no, I didn't bring in a company. I'm a cheapskate, if that's the right okay. term to use. I'm it's a, frugal. I'm financially, fiscally responsible. Let's go with that. There it is. Um, but no, I mean, we knew what we needed. What we needed in 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 the pharmacy, we knew what kind of skills were needed. What needed to be taught. Um, I knew what tasks there were to do each day, and I knew what was legally allowed to delegate to to my techs. But I had to get my tech certified. Yeah, I had to get them all certified, oh. which they have to they have to do 600 hours under me. And then um, they have to sit down for an examination that's actually pretty hard. I mean, I I looked at the book and I thought, my God, this is this is like a watered down version of pharmacy school for, you know, somebody that has no education. Literally, I mean, that right. high school education is all that's necessary for it. You need to be able to do, you know, some fairly decent uh, math and and have a really good knowledge of the law system um, in the state. You have to have a 
you have to be able to do uh-huh. compounding. There's hospital stuff. I mean, it's it's quite a it's quite a lengthy process. So we have um, some study manuals, just like we would okay. for our licensure exams. Um, right, right. And I mean, we literally. I mean, I just literally went and taught the book to them and taught them the the various things, and it covered everything. So I've got two. Well, now technically four certified techs. Um, two of them were already certified. They were grandfathered in, but two of them I mm-hmm. certified. I, we got certified under me and then, um, yeah. So, so what, uh, it's kind of two questions. One is going to be, what do pharmacists end up getting sued for as a chiropractor? Like, you know, sexual harassment, that's a nice good one to get sued for <laughs> fraud. That's a good one. But for a pharmacy, I, you know, I'm not familiar with it. What kind of things do y'all get sued for? And then another could maybe tie in is what are some misconceptions about your profession? Great questions. I think that, and I mean, look, I haven't been sued. Knock on some form of wood. I hope that it never happens. I've got malpractice insurance and, you know, I'm fully prepared if something were to happen. Mm. Pretty much med errors. So if, yeah, wrongful, like a wrongful death suit or something like that, you know, milligram versus microgram. Well, yeah. Oh yeah, (laughs) sure. There's, there's been (laughs) a lot more. Yeah. I mean, there was a heparin um, case, not with me, but in the U S not, there was a major issue with heparin being misdosed in the hospital. And I mean, giving, giving a, a pediatric child, the adult dose of heparin and the, the kid bleeding out. I mean, it's just, there's some. I mean, you can kill people, unfortunately, easier than you think with medication. So mm-hmm. we have to be very careful, which we are. We have lots of checks checks and balances uh, systems in the store. And um, I'd say med error is definitely the most often seen thing, uh, giving them the wrong medication. You know, I mean, you're filling. I, I, right now, I'm averaging about 4,300 prescriptions a month. You know, when you're when you've got a small staff and that's how many prescriptions you're doing, your chance of error right. increases um, You're, you know, you've got employees and yourself. I mean, you get exhausted and you're you start to get mentally exhausted and things happen. So we have and the computer checks a lot of your mm-hmm. there's like checks and balances in the computer when you print it mm-hmm. and all of that. Absolutely. And I, and I, I follow you on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're actually on my feed, which I should say like that. OK. I, Sounds like you're crushing it this year. We're crushing it. Crushing we, it. Yeah. Oh, God. I Since I bought the store, should we throw numbers out or no? Percents. Percents. Not like dollars, let's go with, maybe percents. Let's go with percents. Uh, we'll make it a real easy thing. Basically, prescription volume-wise, I've more than doubled the volume since I bought the store two years ago. Um, dollar wise, I am, uh, let's see, almost doubled in sales since, and that's, wow, that's impressive in a pharmacy that that's a lot of money. That's not like, Hey, we did an extra 10 prescriptions and made an extra thousand dollars. No, we're talking like a million dollars. And this is just description. We're not talking supplements or shoe inserts or whatever else coca-cola or this you know is just prescriptions like a mil wow. a million dollars more in sales than two years ago and that i mean obviously that that's not profit but you know it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing to, to have grown that much that fast um in such a small town 
It's great. I'm exactly. I mean, fifteen hundred people. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Well, you know, Talk about challenges. We we service a lot of the outlying areas as well. So I say mm-hmm. fifteen hundred. Those are that's what happens when you start out. Yeah, those are typical for the first probably year. And then I just got to a point where mentally it was like, I can't keep this up. I mean, and it was, you know, five days a week. And by the time I hit the weekend, I was just done. I mean, stick a fork in me. I am done. And I would just lay there in bed like, oh, my God. You know, it it just it wore me down. And, you know, when you get out of a graduate school program like yours and like mine, I mean, you're just used to that that grind that like, okay, let's do this. Go hard for, you know, at least 12 hours a day. And so they warned us when we graduated. They said, just a heads up when you finish school, you're going to try to work like 10 million hours a week because that's what you're used to. Be careful. You mm-hmm. know, you don't have to. It'll be OK. Like, you know, and I was like, oh, no, I'm going to want to do things. And then you just get so caught up in it. Like, oh, gosh, I need so much to do. Yeah, it never ends, never ends. But as the years have progressed, um, I've cut my hours down to about 65 to 70 a week. I've really, um, except for in the winter months, it's just, you can forget it. I mean, getting out early is just not something that's happening right now. And because cough and cold season, flu season, people meet their, yeah, yeah, people meet their deductibles. And so they like panic in November and December. (sighs) And they're like, hey, you remember those five creams that you filled for me back in February, go ahead and fill all of those. And you know, anything else you see that I need filling like any of my meds. (laughs) And I'm like, Oh my God. So sometimes you'll, it's like, okay, there's 20 medications for a person, you know, where that's, you know, some kind of little cream that they use for eczema, but they only use it every once in a while, you know, they've met their deductible and they're like, go ahead and fill that for me. You know, I'd like to hold on to that. You know, it's like, okay. Sounds like a good Christmas gift there. An exhausting one. I I made the mistake (laughs) of last year going on vacation around this time, um, thinking that that would be smart. Never again. I was at the store till midnight, like every night, just trying to catch up on work so that I could go on vacation. I'm like, I'm never doing that again. So I I go in September Mm -hmm. now. I made smart, smart decisions. (laughs) Okay. So I'm going to switch gears just a little bit here. Okay. We kind of mentioned it earlier. Uh, you were you just kind of out of school at this point. What would you recommend students at this time doing your profession? Is there any advice that you could give them looking back so far? Well, I mean, it depends on what they want to do. Um, if you want, I can give you, I'll give you two answers. We'll go with like a, okay. a general answer. So if you're coming out of school, pharmacy school, and you know, you're going to work you know, at a, a big box chain or, or wherever, or a mom and pop, you're not going to own a pharmacy, but you're going to go work somewhere. I, I really suggest not getting caught up in the idea of, hey, I'm making money. Let's go buy things. They really hammered on us in pharmacy school at the very end about making smart financial decisions. I mean, I came out of school with $240,000 in, in debt for just graduate school. Undergrad was and about what six percent, seven percent? Um six and a half to eight and a half percent varying. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a big monthly payment. Super fun. So people people would kind of come out of school and go, Oh my gosh, I'm making 
a hundred grand a year or whatever. Let's go buy a $400,000 house and buy a BMW and buy this. And it's like, put on the brakes, buddy, because those, those students, one paycheck away from failure. Yeah, you're exactly like you need to pay those student loans down. And so the same applies with if you're going to own a pharmacy, pay your student loans down, but also save for a down payment on the store. Um, I had to put up $30,000 on top of my store loan. Like that was part of the deal. I didn't have any collateral um, coming into it. I had really good credit, great credit history, never missed a payment on anything. But I had so much student loan that they were just like, um you know, you don't really have any collateral. So we're going to need you to put up like $30,000 towards the, um, you know, it was a, it was a four, $400,000 loan. So I had to put up, you know, 30 grand on, you know, in addition to that, to show that like, Hey, I'm not just kind of messing around. Like, so, you know, save your money. And not a school that would be hard to do. It's impossible. I actually, you know, I'll be honest. I ended up having to, um, borrow some money from my dad, um, which I've almost since paid all back, but because like my lawyer costs ten thousand dollars to to get the wow. yeah for the the purchase agreement the transaction I mean you, it was a seventy page document to buy the store and it oh my goodness it truly requires ten thousand dollars worth of legal fees it's worth it because when you're buying someone else's business you need to make sure that you're covering yourself because what if they you know made some poor decisions and the DEA comes down you know you have to protect yourself absolutely because you're taking over their patient files so anyway yeah that's my biggest thing is pay down debts and save money um i live in a, a small little apartment house type deal and it cost me $400 a month and i have i still live there i've been there you know you're making people really upset right now <laughs> 400 a month 400 a month yeah it was a steal look I, I i did that on purpose i mean i whatever i could get for as cheap as possible um it's you know it's kind of cramped but hey it works it works well i'm loving this this mindset because I, i'm right up there with you and mm-hmm. you know buying a clinic and going through the loan process myself yeah. it was those student loans they hurt you. And the banks look at that and they're just like, yeah, we're not going to give you oh. anything. Good luck out there. Yeah. I, I ended up having to go. Be frugal. Yeah. I had to go through a bank that actually has a pharmacy department. Um, so they kind of knew what they were dealing with. And mm-hmm. I really lucked out because they were associated with the wholesale that I was also buying from. So kind of, I don't want to say use connections, but basically I sought out all resources because the banks, the local banks looked at me and they just laughed. They were like, there's no way that we're going to give you, you know, 400 grand to buy a pharmacy. You know, it ain't happening, but. And really no experience either running a business. (laughs) Zero, zero, you know, but, um, uh, you know, the pharmacy department that I dealt with, with this bank and it's a bank out of like Arkansas or something. I I had to sit down and show them numbers. I wasn't just like, hey, give me money. You know, I had to show that the store was profitable and had had the ability to make money. And I had to show basically how much I grew it in the short time that I had already been there. So, I mean, it, you know, it wasn't easy, but yeah, they approved me. And um, cool. Thank God. I'm so grateful. That's a very valuable resource because Mm -hmm. whether you're a optometrist, pharmacist, chiropractor, if you have those avenues, Mm -hmm. reach out and grab them. Yeah. I mean... Uh, and I, that's what they're there for. I'm sure. Do you, how's it work in chiropractic care? If you're trying to buy, is there, um, like I know with 
in medicine, like in medical school, um, they'll... We do not have anything good. You don't have anything good? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in medicine... No, we, we're kind of like the black sheep of the profession where... It's okay. We are you know, too. My, you know, <laughs> you can get out of school and be like, oh, you want a $300,000 loan? Here you go. But for us, no way. It's, yeah. You know, you got you to gotta knock on doors or you got to be creative sometimes. And uh, yeah. that's what I did. I had to be creative and take my time. And, and once you get an established, like you said, six months, a year, mm-hmm. then you can start knocking on the banks again and say, hey, can you yeah. buy out this higher loan or whatever you got to do? Yeah, I'm going through that right now with my student loans. I'm trying to refinance them and I keep getting turned down. And it's like, I don't understand what's going on. That's weird. Like I have really good credit. I own, I have collateral now. I own, you know, a very profitable pharmacy. It's just that, you know what, it's going to take two years of business taxes before they take me seriously um, and realize that, like, I'm I'm not just playing around, you know. So it's no big deal, but uh, yeah. Maybe they just like all your interest. They don't want to give that away. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I won't make any comments on that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's, uh, let's continue here. Let's see. Five-year goals, 10-year goals, what have you set for yourself? How do you determine if it's worthy of your pursuit? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually had, like, um, in my fourth year of school, I had a professor that was really big on one-year, five-year, and 10-year plans, and he was like, oh, write this down. So I set some. I actually have them stored in my phone, but... um, (laughs) They kind of got all jumbled up because my my five slash well I guess it was my five year plan at the time was to own a pharmacy and that happened in one year so whoops how dare you not shoot for the moon I know you I, sold yourself I short look I at totally you totally sold myself short so wow yeah so I want I actually. And I don't know if this will ever happen, but it could. It could. That's why it's going to stay in my little five-year plan or 10-year plan. I'd like to um, get certified as a diabetes um, educator. You would have to do... Well, that's only on the rise. Yeah, I know. I know. Especially, <laughs> especially where you live. Especially where I live. Um, but in order to do that, you need a 1,000 hours um, of seeing patients, basically. I, I, I got to do some of this when I was in my fourth year of school, one of my clinical rotations for a month is I worked in a diabetes clinic and literally, or it was an internal med clinic and literally me and, um, or it was one of my professors is a certified diabetes educator. And so I worked with him and we got to see patients and I was like, man, this is awesome. Basically, I would have a collaborative practice agreement with a physician, and I could see their diabetic patients. I can help make med adjustments, insulin adjustments, um, and and get paid for it. You know, you can bill this. That's kind of a, without having to do these um, post-grad residencies, this is a close way for me to be able to to do something I enjoy like that, because I weird, but I love diabetes. I think it's so interesting and useful. I mean, there's so much, so much need to have um, an education in that and to be able to work with people now. Um, So that's a big goal for me. I have uh, not made any steps towards that goal because I've been building a business for the last two years, but I'm hoping... It's on your radar. It's on my radar. So my my one-year plan is to be able to... (laughs) This is... This is a, yeah, this is a good plan. My one-year plan is to actually be able to take more time off of work um, 
you know, kind of make that transition, try to bring a pharmacist in more often to help me um, just so I don't get burned out. And that's been a little bit of an issue. My accountant's kind of like, well, we're not really there yet. You know, I'm like, oh, can we be there? Like, what do I need to do? Like, I, I'm filling so many prescriptions so much more than than I was like, what else do I need to do to make this happen? I just want a little time off. So I'm, I'm making it happen. Now, I do have a question on that. Yeah. You have the opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at a big box, they're pretty much, they sell everything from cereal to anything. Do you have that? Is that a revenue stream that you could build to make more money somehow? There's not a profit in that. Honestly, the, um, <clears throat> like I know, like the big box chains, these ones that have these huge front ends that sell, you know, toys and, uh, you know, uh, cigarettes, cigarettes and, and candy and all kinds of stuff like the the profit margin on it is actually not that great oh. and now mind you i mean i still i have a pretty large over-the-counter product section or at least compared to what it was um and i try i've got it's hard for me because my competition is like your like dollar stores you know your family dollar you know the, oh. these kind of like places where obviously if people are on a fixed income it's understandable they're gonna they gotta they have to do what they have to do so i have to try to compete with that so i had an issue recently where my wholesale um changed the pricing on all of my otcs and i mean not just a a little bit it was like something that might have cost two dollars and fifty cents suddenly was six dollars and i know that doesn't sound like much but i mean my goodness if you are on a fixed income and you can barely afford the two dollar and fifty cent you're not going to buy the six dollar you know so no no. i mean i called him that's why i buy the brand name yeah i mean i mean the the store brand because it's it's the same thing exactly so i mean i called i called him and i was like no you have to stop all of this so i had to go through every single item in the store and he sent me a list of all the items and basically cross out the new price right in the old price and send it back to him and he had to change everything i said do you i don't think you understand like i'm competing I'm in an environment where people don't have a lot of money and I'm competing with dollar stores and whatnot. And they're going to go to the dollars. They will drive across town to the dollar store before spending. I mean, that's too much money, you know? Yeah. I mean, the over the counters, I, and, and I always tell people if there's something you need, I will order it and I will keep it on the shelf for you. So I have a very personalized over the counter section. (laughs) Um, So people come to me and they say, well, I, I like, this product and I'm like I've never even heard of that but if I can get it and they're gonna buy it I'm getting it you know and as, right. o- obviously as long as it's not something that I know you know a lady called me for some St. John's wart the other day and I was like come on not happening um highly highly some huge issues with drug interactions it's a huge sip inducer uh, cytochrome p50 so basically it increases the metabolism of every drug you could possibly take like you know so yeah so you take it for mood and depression um and then it basically wipes out all the other medications you're taking and makes them useless so i I, that's a really good piece of information today yeah oh yeah there's a you know you have to be really careful with these some of these over-the-counter products so or natural products you know just about drug interactions i'm by Mm. by all means not against natural meds i think there's some great great purpose to them um you just have to watch drug interactions so 
Yeah. Yesterday, I had a patient. Well, it was the mom. The baby has the flu. And you can tell that she was hesitant about getting the Tamiflu because a lot of people mm. complain about it. Frankly, the, the studies show that it doesn't even really help yeah. that much, like as much as they thought. So most doctors discourage against it anyway. And um, it was a $75 wow. copay. And this lady, she's got money. This lady's got money. So it didn't matter for her. But you could just sense it. And so she kind of asked me some questions. And I was like, look, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, it. How long has the baby been sick? Oh, two days. The baby's and and what are the symptoms like? Is you know? And she was like, well, the the kid is a two year old, and she really doesn't even exhibit any symptoms. They just happened to find that out whenever they were doing some other test. And I was like, look, you can get it. I said, but honestly, if you just um, increase fluid intake and and alternate some Tylenol and ibuprofen for fever um, treatment, and uh, that's about all you can really do with the flu. I mean, there's just not much you can do. Tamiflu doesn't really work. And, um, you know, like half so the time I'm, you get sick, it's just managing your symptoms. Your body's still having to like, I'm going to take 10 days. If you want to cough, go for it. If you don't want to cough, you can take something. And I, right. And I, I don't like, uh, antibiotics have their purpose in life, but, um, they are so over prescribed that, and I'm really against that. So I really try to push people of like, Okay, no, you you don't need that, you know, Z pack. You probably just need to get some, you know, Robitussin or whatever. Still uncomfortable for a few days. It's gonna suck for a little while. Yeah, you're gonna it's gonna feel like crap for a little bit, but we're a chiropractor, so I haven't taken it. We're always like rah rah antibiotics, but I'm not that guy, so it's kind of fun to have you on. But it, oh god, yeah. I'm glad to hear that you're Um, not. You know, I'm guessing there's people that are just whatever the doctor says. I'll write the script and make money. But to talk to them and understand and to just, you know, I like that. I really oh, yeah. do. And I, yeah, and I mean, I've gotten the doctor on board next door of that too and just kind of like, look, man, like 99% of this is viral. Don't write a script for Unless this. You like, when you're older. Just right? don't, you know. Like when you need it, you Oh, can't. yeah. Well, you, that's why we, we have so much resistance issues now. Now they're having to write two Z packs, whereas it used to be just one and everything was fine. Now you have to like double the dose, take it for twice as long because of the resistance issues. So man sucks. Anyway. Okay. Now as a chiropractor, we're, we're always like supplements, rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. Is there a way being that you went to school for this to determine what's a good supplement and what are you looking for in something like that if someone's trying not to get on all the statins and all that what are you looking for are you you familiar with any of those yeah i mean well if they want if they want to not get on a statin they can take red yeast rice but i will tell you that it's basically a statin an over-the-counter version of a statin so you have just as much likelihood of having um like the cramping issues But the we've had a lot of research lately that showed if you take CoQ10 enzyme along Mm -hmm. with your statin that it will actually reduce the cramping because what's happening is the statins are reducing your CoQ10 enzyme in your body. So by replacing it, we're preventing some of the side effects with that. So a lot of times that's helped people, but CoQ10 is a little bit expensive. So. You know, you kind of find find that happy medium uh, for people. Whatever. And price doesn't always mean good either. Exactly. Is what I'm finding out. Like you, there's marketing, my goodness. I have the biggest problem with, with the OTCs where these like super, you know, combination like 
cold, flu, sinus, and whatever treatment, and somebody brings that to you, and you're like, okay, but what are your symptoms? And they tell you, and you're just like, you don't need 80% of the medications in this pill. All you need is, you know, X, Y, and Z, which is, you know, $2 versus this $15 box of whatever it is. I have a huge problem with that, that like repurposing of over-the-counter drugs to where people think it's like, oh, great example. There's a particular drug. I won't name it, but you probably figure it out. Um, And it's marketed for insomnia over-the-counter. And it's got a catchy little, you know, little commercial and catchy little idea like, oh, it's some uh, like has some Z's on it or something because it's it's going to help you go to sleep. If you look at the back of it, it's Benadryl. It is bloody ah, Benadryl. Ah, ah. And they sell it for, you know, like $8 for, you know, 20 tablets. And and people bring, and I'm like, no, I'm not even going to order it because if someone comes to me and is asking for that, then I just bring them to the Benadryl to the Benadryl section and wow. explain that to them and I'll show them, you know, active ingredients. But people get, I don't want to say duped a lot, but basically, I mean, people get mis- Bamboozled. Yeah, bamboozled. Absolutely. They get misled a lot and they think, oh, well, that's a $10 box of medication. It's got to work better. And it's, no, it's just repurposed. I remember my nieces were young, loved to play. It was Christmas time. I came in, took, I needed a Benadryl, but I wanted something non-drowsy. Well, Definitely didn't get the non-drowsy kind. There's, there's no such thing. I don't think there's such a thing as non-drowsy Benadryl. Um, they may market something, but don't fall for it. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> took the wrong thing. I was out. <laughs> Sorry, girls. Yeah. Oh, geez. Poor things. Jeez. Yeah, what can you do? Yep. We are completely switching gears. Good, let's do to it. To the more personal side. Oh, boy. I mentioned earlier, you're in my feed, so I know you have taken some vacations have. that have made me jealous. <laughs> Tell, tell us. Yes. How do you take vacation and how do you take more? What's the secret? Uh, Miss, I work 60 hours a week. Oh, God. Well, I have no secret um, because I am. So I am still trying to figure out how to take more. Honestly, like I actually the dean of the pharmacy school I graduated from. I am in the in the middle of sending her an email asking that very question of what what is enough vacation um what is considered appropriate in our profession um especially as and I'll probably reach out to some pharmacy owners about the same thing because I'm I'm in a struggle of because you know it's just me in there and it's an exhausting job it's a so such a rewarding job but I I don't get to eat lunch I don't get a lunch break I don't even get to finish a cup of coffee. Half the time, I don't get to go to the bathroom. You know, it's very, you know, it's, um, I don't know. You you see these things sometimes where people are like, oh, this is what it's like to work in an emergency room. And and like, I I have friends that do, you know, do these things. I get it. Like, I I totally get what they're going through because they never get a break either. And it's, it's emotionally and mentally exhausting. It's a wonderful thing, but it is, and it's hard on my body, you know? Um, finding that, I hate to use the word balance, but finding, I guess that balance of, okay, like I need to take some time. And for me, it's not just like having a day off to go run errands that, that would be nice too. I need to like step away because I have this problem of, I guess, because we're so personal with people. I have people that will try to get my cell phone number or, 
will contact me through the internet somehow, um, maybe Facebook or whatnot, and just, they're like, well, I know you're really busy, but, and, like, they need the, you know, they people just, I can't separate from the store is basically what I'm saying. It's very hard. I have to leave mm-hmm. to do it, um, which yeah. is why I go fishing a lot, um, because... Okay, fishing. Yeah. So fishing is kind of my cheaper way of a vacation um because then i can go away for a couple hours and and no one knows me out there no one is going to stop me in the grocery store and ask me to fill their medication which is why also what are you fishing for by the way oh um like speckled trout redfish flounder it's all saltwater fishing okay yeah so i go in the gulf yeah i go to grand chenier do you know where that's at I'm guessing South Louisiana. Oh yeah, South South. Um, it's uh, like almost not in the Louisiana anymore. Well, it's the Gulf of Mexico, straight up. Um, oh. But I, I have a kayak, and I'll go kayak fishing. Um, that was oh kayak fishing. Yeah, that great. yeah, yeah. I don't have a big boat. I just have you know. I, but to me, it's nice. It's quiet. I can just clear my head, and no one's bothering me. No one's you know asking me for anything or asking for money or whatever. Right. As far as, yeah, the vacation thing, I made a promise to myself. That was one thing that I I do spend money on. I, I don't do material items. I'm not, you know, like I'm not buying, I don't know. Ver- We're made from the same cloth. Yeah, I'm not buying like Versace purses or, you know, uh, I see a lot of people enjoy. It. And you know what, That to each his own, if that's what they enjoy spending their money on, great. Me, I, yeah, like, exactly. I like to travel and I like to fish. So... I save my money for um, traveling. I use frequent flyer miles to get me. I mean, I've got almost $4,000 in frequent flyer miles right now that's built up. Nice. Yeah. From Where'd you go this year? I went to France and Amsterdam. So, uh, Well, Holland and mostly Amsterdam. Um, went to Normandy, which was beautiful. I just, wow. I just like getting on it. And I mean, I'm sure you guys get to do a, a bit of that too, where you're at, you know, just getting on a train or a short flight in Europe or where you're at is probably not nearly as expensive as it is in the States, you know? She's referring to China, by the yeah, way. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like in the States, you want to, you want to hop on a plane and go somewhere, you're going to drop five, $600 for a flight. If you get to Europe, you get on a, a train. I took a train from Amsterdam to Paris for $42. Yeah, it's I like here. It's so cheap. $12 to travel yeah. 15 hours on a train. And- right. So, I mean, I, I do as much as that as I can. So, I usually um, try to get one trip to somewhere in Europe a year. And then, okay. um, so next year, I'm looking at possibly Switzerland and Prague. I, I don't know. Ooh, I, I want, I've heard good things. Really? I want to see as much. Prague, yeah. Yeah, I want to see as much of the world as I can. You know, I'm fairly young. I don't have, I'm not, t- you know, I don't have kids yet. I'm not married. And so it's like, okay, I know that once these things do happen, I may not be able to do this to this extent. So let me just go crazy and do as much as I can now. Wow. So to do more of it, I don't know. We're, we're working on that. That's to be continued. But um, finding that balance of, of not spending enough time in the store and spending too much of the time of the store is my c- continual question. You're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're not alone. Now, you did mention, I, I like that idea of putting someone in there. I thought about doing that when I was in full-time clinic by myself, but we weren't so busy where it was really a financially feasible. Mm-hmm. But it's so smart. If you put somebody in there for two days, now you got a four-day weekend. Yeah. And you can go yeah. a lot of places in America for four days and really just 
and, and that's absolutely so Mardi Gras this year. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm uh, I'm I'm going to have somebody work the Friday and the Monday and uh, we're off the Tuesday. We're closed. So I'm going to fly to Tennessee to where I went to pharmacy school and visit some of my friends for, you know, a couple of days. And I, you know, got a couch to crash on and all I needed was nice. a flight, basically. So, yeah, I hired somebody for two days and I get five days off, basically. Wow. Yeah. You have to be very creative and you have to be willing to take vacations when most people don't take like, you know, it's not like, hey, it's June. Let's go to the beach. Like everybody's doing that. So I have to, you know, take a vacation in September or kind of an odd July 4th. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've done that. Like Mandatory holidays are like, okay, I'm gonna take a three or four day now. Yeah, I I did that. I flew out on July 4th and came back that Sunday. Friday through oh Sunday, goodness. and I went to Missouri. I mean, y- you do what you have to do. It doesn't matter if you only get one full day off. It's better than nothing. So, Well, you got to live for you. It doesn't matter if yeah. Bob down the street doesn't approve of what you're doing. If you like it, then that, you're winning. Yeah. That's how I look at it. Yep, absolutely. So besides uh, travel and, and working, what preoccupies your mind besides, you know, besides that? Any hobbies? volunteering anything like that yeah um fishing you say yeah fishing definitely i collect i collect well i collect a lot of things i'm a big antique collector i guess not um mostly most of my antiques were actually given to me just people you know antique what um hmm, lots of things like spoons or something no um met medicine bottles uh pharmacy stuff um i have a pretty large collection at work now that i've collected for about the last 10 years just old old things people were will call me and say uh i found this in my grandpa's attic and i was gonna throw it out but uh you know i thought about you i knew you collected that stuff and here you can have it somebody did that and it was a it was a um a bottle of insulin from 1934 uh was it 34 24 i think it was 34 um apologize wow. it's kind of early and my brain's not quite working yet but uh anyway it was one of the first mass-produced bottles of insulin like two years after it was patented keeper. yeah i was like this is gold and they they were gonna throw it in the trash you know just stuff like yeah, that what else are you gonna do with that exactly that's amazing so uh, i do that and uh, music is my other thing i collect vinyl um 78s wax cylinders i'm a i'm really into that another thing of what genre <clears throat> um country and bluegrass music because that's okay. that yeah i so i worked how'd you get into bluegrass oh that's a funny story probably for another podcast but it was a, a sh- ah, let's go good. with stress management <laughs> okay. um and um i was encouraged by someone to go to uh, a bluegrass festival because they knew that i liked you know kind of was getting into that type of music and then i was hooked i mean that was it that was it so that was that was 10 years ago, um, and I started doing a radio show 10 years ago as well, a bluegrass radio show. So we could call that a hobby. That, it's fun. That, it's a big hobby. It's a big hobby, yeah. It's it's a little hard. Still doing it? Yeah, still doing it. It's 10 years. Yeah, it's it's hard because it takes me a while to, to do it every, every week. It's a one-hour show, but it probably takes me... I don't know. I've got it fine-tuned now to about six to ten hours to do that one-hour show. And I, I can do it in, in pieces, thank goodness. But it, it's getting hard. I mean, when you work this much, you're just like, the last thing you want to do is go home and do that. But I still enjoy it enough to keep doing it. 
that gives me more respect for these hour-long podcasts, music yeah. podcasts that I listen to at work. I'm like, wow, if it takes that long to do yeah. it, that's, well, I mean, that's a commitment. You don't want to just throw random songs together. You want it's, it's art. I'm not an artist by any means, but it is a form of art, you know, piecing together stuff and making sure things sound properly and flow properly. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It is. Do a, you play? Um, not really. I own a mandolin <laughs> and I never play it. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Do you have a morning or lunch routine that grounds you or excites you for the rest of the day, whichever way you kind of need? Yeah. Um, definitely not a lunch routine because I don't have lunch. Uh, <laughs> but morning routine, I, lately I've really got it. I have about a 25-minute drive to work, and I, I like that. I purposely, for many reasons, live about 25, 30, you know, I live in Brobridge, which is, you know, like I said, 25, 30 minute drive. And I really like that. Um, on the way to work, I'll either, you know, listen to some music or lately I've kind of gotten into listening to audiobooks. Um, I really, I really enjoy that. I, you know, as I get older, I enjoy that more and more. Sounded like an old lady here, but <laughs> if you don't have time to read, just listen to it and you get exactly. the same message. I don't have any, I have a stack of books on my, on my shelf here and I don't have time to read any of them. So I'm like, I wonder if there's an audio book of this because <laughs> I'm more likely to finish. I wish I can get the cliff yeah. notes of these books. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that, that's been kind of lately. And, and, and I do the same on the way home, which is nice. It helps me unwind um, and kind of decompress and, and separate, you know, I kind of feel myself separating from the store at the closer I get to Brobridge from, you know, from Arneville you know, allows me to separate. So yeah, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, listening to music, sometimes I'll put on, you know, like some just kind of jam out to some music to get fired up for the day and yeah, just whatever the mood sets for. I mean, the stuff I listen to sometimes they're like meditation and this and that. I'm like, man, I don't, I'm not into that yet. Maybe I'm just, I haven't arrived to the meditation field, but if I put on the right track of music, I can really zone out and think. And yeah do whatever it needs to be done to well, get myself yeah, centered. Yeah. It sounds like that, you, yeah. you figured Medi- that out too. Meditation is not about the, just that type of music. Absolutely. Meditation is all about what it's a practice that you put together for yourself and it's whatever works best for you. I've tried a lot of things. I've tried going to the meditation classes and whatnot to try to stress relief. I meditate the best when I'm fishing and it's literally because I just zone out, like completely clear my mind that's what works best for me. So you just go with what, yeah, you go with what, with what works best for you. So, so I'm not a fisher person, a fisher person. (laughs) What, what, what do you, what's a size weight? Do you go by like, this is the biggest fish I ever caught or like what, what makes you, what's your brag point on this fish? There's not much of a brag point. Um, I like to catch crabs, the, you know, the blue point crabs that are real popular here. You grew up here, right? I did grow up there. We're from okay. the same I'm just making hometown. sure. <laughs> the Blue Point Crabs are by far, guys, the best. Oh, if you haven't had delicious. any of those, figure it out. Um, I'm really good at catching that and, and catching shrimp. So fishing, I mean, yeah, I'll catch redfish. I don't have any, like, bragging points on that. But shrimping and um, catching crabs, like, I can I can catch 12 dozen crabs. Not a problem. Well, some, sometimes a, a problem. That's yeah. a lot of crabs. Yeah, that's, your, I mean, that's your limit. That's, a, that's, that's limiting out. Um, one, one boat. Wow. 12 yeah. Dozen. That's a, do you sell them or no, you can eat them? I mean, that? I call people and we have a big boil at somebody's house and 20 people come over and eat them. 
Ah, uh, Louisiana. Louisiana. Yep. <laughs> oh my goodness. Last couple questions here. All right. So you mentioned books. Do you have a favorite book or podcast that you secretly love? Second half, one that you would actually recommend for others. <laughs> secretly love. Oh, we're airing out the dirty laundry. Let me see. Hold on. Let me look at my stack here. You ready for cheese factor? Here we go. I've been on, and I mean, this has been an ongoing thing for years and years, but I've been, obviously been on a little bit of a Dolly Parton kick lately because I got to see her in concert and got to meet her, which was an absolute dream come true. Um, thank you. Thank you. You know, she just raised like a million dollars for those Tennessee Nine families. million. Oh, I'm sorry. Nine million. <laughs> I told oh, you, this is, a, this is a guilty pleasure. No, I, um, yeah, because where those fires were, were not very far from where I went to pharmacy school. So it was, it was really, I kind of followed a lot of that because a lot of my friends are suffering pretty bad, you know, right now. But uh, anyway, uh, she has, and this is cheese factor, but we're going to go with it anyway. I'm going to find it. Um. She did a commencement speech at the University of Tennessee back in 2007, and um, it was actually really a, a great little speech. And the lady's done a lot of stuff. She's you know a smart businesswoman, and you know she's seen and done a lot in her career. So there was a book associated with with that commencement speech, basically expanding upon it, and it's you know it's like 120 mm-hmm. pages. I ate that up so fast and it was it was actually quite good. It gave a lot of good advice just about making smart decisions and I don't know, uh, going for goals and not being afraid, you know, not letting people stop you kind of thing. Uh, it's kind of cheesy and inspirational, but that that's been but she's she a is classic. a classic. Yeah. She's, she paved the way her and like Reba oh, McIntyre yeah. and all yeah. those uh, to oh, the yeah. Where are they at today? Absolutely. She actually, she paved the way for Reba, who paved the way for others, kind of. Yeah, absolutely. And um, Dolly is, Dolly's Dolly, man. I mean, she's built up, she's worth like half a billion dollars. I mean, to have that kind of longevity at 70 years old in a career and to still be that. In your own theme park? Oh, yeah. I used to go to that theme park. It's incredible. Yeah. It's super fun. But, um, you know, she just, she, she doesn't let people stop her and she makes good decisions, sometimes bad decisions. And she is all about, you know, this is what life is. We all yeah, make bad decisions, you have to right? go out there and just put it all out there and try because why not? But um, so, yeah, that little book's kind of my guilty pleasure, but kind of a nice little inspirational deal. I'm trying to think of one that I would recommend. I have quite a few. Ah, okay. So when I was in my... I guess late 20s, I was finishing up pharmacy school and I saw a TED talk. I really like TED talks. I don't know if you watch or yeah, a little bit. Okay. Yeah. There was one in particular that really struck me um, by a psychologist. Her name is Meg J, J A Y. And it's called, I don't think you can, I don't know if you can see it. It's called The Defining Decade and um, Why Your 20s Matter and How to Make the Most of Them Now. Um, so if you're recommending a book to anyone in their twenties, I highly recommend that book. I mean, she's a psychologist. She's got, you know, she's got, obviously there's evidence-based medicine type, um, research going into this. This is not just like, Hey, this is what you should do. Like this, she's, you know, obviously has an education well-versed and I really, it really gave me some, some good thoughts. It's been a couple, obviously a couple years since I read it, but um, it really pushed me a bit to to not be afraid to go out there because it you know she talks about basically your brain 
is forming in the latter parts of the the formation of your brain happens in the very end of your 20s. So if you want to make any kind of changes, um, psychological or or whatnot, you know, that that that's the end. So you better make it happen, you know. So it just really kind of pushed me to to make some choices. Um, we'll put that in the show notes for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I highly recommend that book to anyone in their 20s. And even if not, I mean, it, it's just... Doesn't it amaze you how much we drink? No, I didn't. I was never a drinker, but in general, people mm-hmm. drink a lot in their 20s. And I know. it's like your brain's not even formed. I and know that's it. when you start having I all these... I didn't drink a lot, a lot. I I was in school so much and studied a little too much. I was a little bit of a nerd. So, but yeah, absolutely. We too... I never understood those doctors who no. drink so much. Oh. Like, you're not an undergrad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had some of those, too. And I'm like, really? Come on. You're supposed to be a professional. (laughs) (laughs) We might have lost some some listeners just now. (laughs) That's okay. That's wrong. Well, sorry. I'm a nerd. What can I say? No, I'm messing with you. Uh, Last question. You ready for this? Mm -hmm. What is your favorite app? Oh, geez. Assuming your smartphone and then, Yeah. Oh, yeah. A business or pleasure. What is my favorite app? Let me get my phone and determine that. I mean, my fine, I, I have some finance apps that I follow that I like. I mean, but that's, that's just because I'm obsessed with my business. So that's lame. If you want to be a finance nerd, that's fine. I love QuickBooks. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've got QuickBooks on my phone. I'm so excited to do my end of the year. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've pretty much done all mine. Yeah. Oh, yikes. Um, there's one that's called, um, it's changed its name a couple of times, I think, but it's, into it and it's um oh mint m-i-n-t and it it keeps track of like it consolidates your um your credit cards and your um bank accounts and basically says like overall this is how much this is how much money you have after subtracting you know all of your credit card debt and whatnot and or don't have budget in there too yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's kind of nice because I can take a quick peek and it's like, oh, okay, let me check my uh, checking account and let me check this and it kind of puts everything together. It puts, you know, all of my charges on my credit card pop up in there. Uh, I I like that because I've, I want to make sure that everything is okay, you know. And, and it's into it, so it feels like it's safe and I mean, I've been using that one for a long time as well. Oh, you well, have. Okay. I can't I can't, we can't uh, say that it's always safe and you won't get hacked or anything, but right. it's been good for me and it's been very eye-opening. Like yeah. you said, it's, it's fun. I like the um, Experian credit tracker, um, mm. E-X-P-E-R-I-A-N, Experian. It's like $25 a month for it, though. I mean, I, I have it for my business because I want to make sure that I don't, someone doesn't hack and, you know, try to steal my identity or start buying oh, it's one things. Of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it'll, it updates my credit score all the time and it gives me, you know, if something pops up, it'll alert me. Um, I really like that. Um, non nerdy wise, hmm. You know, that's really <laughs> smart, though. We're business owners and you need to keep track of these things. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I had, People call a lot and like scam type stuff and that just scares me. And sometimes they'll call at work and I'm, you know, or or they'll call your cell phone. You're like, what is this? And I usually don't answer them. But one time I answered it and like the guy started asking me these questions like, what? You know, it just freaked me out. Like I didn't answer any of his stuff, but I was so scared that somehow, 
you know, by me answering the call that he got a hold of, you know, it's just like, oh my God, I have to do something to make sure that, you know, people aren't stealing my identity because now I have something to lose. You know, before it was like, bring it on. You want to pay my debt? Great. Now it's like, oh no. Okay. You know, I need to be good. I was at the bank one time and mm -hmm. asked them a question and they said, oh, let me look it up another way. And somebody else had my exact same number. Oh. In Louisiana as well. What? And I was like, uh, so what can we do about this? And so it was a big runaround and I ended up, nothing happened except for like two years later, mm-hmm. I asked them again and they were able to take care of it at that point. But yeah, I was starting to get nervous. I was like, well, what if they, mm-hmm. you know, have a credit card in my name in, in a whole other city, whole other state, and now I'm on the hook for something. I was like, this is, that's not cool. So that's, that's a good app right there. Yeah. And as far as like for a fun, like fun one, when I get stressed out, that's when I start looking at travel. Um, I start like planning trips that may never happen because I don't know, for me, at least just kind of playing around with that brings some excitement. So I, I like the the kayak app. That you, yes. Yeah. I mean, I use that a lot to look for flights just, you know, for fun. So other than that, I don't really I've got like Netflix app on here or something. Who knows? Well, I've, I've heard it said, you know, having a trip gives you more excitement and gives you something to look forward to. So always, even if it's something as small as, I don't know, going to Mississippi or something, it's something to look forward to and it just excites you and it gets you more motivated and something, I don't know, it just does something to our psyche that's really powerful. Well, you know, here's how I look at it. And I'm sure this probably comes to you too. You feel like as a business owner that this is like, this is the rest of my life, like every day, like we're just going to do this day. There's no end to this, you know, like there's no like, you know, when you're in school, it's like, oh, I just got to get to the semester, to the end of the semester and finals and everything is good. This is like, oh God, there's no break ever, you know? So to have like that little like trip set, you know, and like, oh, well, okay, Courtney, you just got to hold out until September and you're going to be gone for a week. Like, yes, you know, and that that really helps. It kind of breaks it up because usually when I go on these trips, I just decompress so much that I'm like, oh my God, like I feel like a human again because I, sometimes yeah. I don't. Sometimes I don't. I mean, I'd get pretty stressed out, but anyway. Yeah, it was it was definitely a relief when I sold the clinic and was able to, you know, it was just, it was time. It was time to move on and mm-hmm. and it felt really good to just have that off. But yeah. now it's like, okay, I need to get back into it. And, right. And that's, you miss it. Once it's gone, then you miss it. And you're like, okay, next time or now I'm going to start making that balance. Yeah. So, so you don't get burned out and it's everything. A continual, it's a good thing. continual battle. There, you'll never have balance. You'll always strive for it and that's all you can do. And that's okay. Like once you accept that, like, yes, then it's you're okay. conscious of it. Yeah. You're mindful. And it's like, all right, no problem. No problem. Yep. Absolutely. Well, to wrap up here, if you want, okay. how can people find you? Social media, things like Mm. that, if you want people to find you. If you want people to find you. Well, there's a Facebook fan page for the store, um, and it's uh, Courtney's Thrifty Way Pharmacy. Um, Okay. So you can look me up there. Um, You can find me on Facebook. It's Courtney Petrie. I'm the one with, like, the mountains behind me, or I don't even know. But, uh, yeah, if people want to find me, or if they want to email me, um, they can send me an email. Uh, We'll just... Just leave that alone. I've heard bad things about that. About email? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great yeah, idea. Sometimes, sometimes Don't email me. <laughs> yeah, just <Sounds> Facebook good. <laughs> me. Sure. <laughs> filter you. Sounds good. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been Thanks. amazing. 
We just went hashtag behind the curtain with Dr. Courtney Petrie. Thank you so much for being a trooper and waking up so early for this interview. I know I got some good information out of it, and I know you did too. What we do now is take what she said, implement it into your own practice. might take some critical thinking, but you can do it. I know you can. That's really all I have to say. Stay tuned for the travel tip coming up next. I almost forgot. I am putting the final touches on a free ebook that I want to give to you guys and gals. Please go to doctorsperspective.net, top, side, the bottom. There's all kinds of places where you can sign up. Put your email and your name for updates. Once the book is complete, I will send you a email and then you can download it. It is going to be my secret hacks about health, weight loss, strengthening the spine, different things like that. It's very actionable. It's implementable. It's not only can you use it, but also your patients. So go on over to a doctorsperspective.net, sign up, and you'll be the first to know when that ebook is ready for downloads. I am quite active on social media, and the easiest way to connect is to head over to a doctorsperspective.net. Look at the top right, and you will see all the social media icons. Just pick your flavor and friend me. I found out in practice that people can hardly pronounce Trosclair much less spell it. Because of that, and username lack of availability, I have a mix of my name and Cajun Cairo. I'm from South Louisiana, aka Cajun Country. I am a Cajun. I am a chiropractor, Cajun Cairo. You will find travel photos, updates, fun comments, etc. Connect, comment, and I'll respond back. This week's travel tip, let's say you're at an airport in the middle of the night, you have a layover, maybe five hours, and you have the first flight out. You can try to go and find a hotel, check in, then have to wake up in like two hours and get your way back to the airport and go through security. Or you can just spend the night in the airport. The way you do it is you are going to sleep on the chairs, but usually they have armrests, so it's uncomfortable. So what do you do? You can sleep on the floor. Nah, lay on the chairs with your knees on the seat facing the backrest. And then you use your arms and you slide them underneath the armrest or between them. And you use your bag as your pillow and use a strap and buckle it to the armrest so that, you know, less likely to get stolen. You're not going to be sleeping great anyway, but it is definitely an option to get a little bit more sleep for that early flight out when you just can't get to a hotel. Hope that helps. It helps for me. We just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end. I hope you got the right dose for your optimal life. Please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends, sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.